Hello, everyone. Welcome to Esports Today, where I speak to a range of industry professionals about, well, esports and gaming. In this episode, which is brought to you, by the way, by Ross Video, I do want to mention them. They create uh, live event and production equipment. They're amazing. Literally, they're all around us. But back to the topic at hand. This interview, I interview Misoku Anderson, Dot Talents' uh, COO, about, well, esports talent agencies. We also talk about creator contracts and the nuances that go in between there and the professionalism of esports and the creator economy and how that has kind of helped birth a lot of new agencies come into the space. So hopefully you enjoy this episode and yeah, let's get on with it. Misoko, it's a pleasure to have you on here and talk about, you know, well, .x and esports talents, esports broadcasting talent, agencies, contracts, etc, etc, etc. But I think firstly, I actually want to start with .x talents itself because there's a lot of esports agencies out there. We were joking just before that a new one pops up every like week or so. But uh, who are .x talents? I'd love to you know give the audience who are like listening a bit about of an opportunity to know about them and about yourself as well. Yeah, so I'm trying to do this with like a bit of a whistle stop tour of how we started. Um, so we were founded start of 2022, or we launched at the start of 2022. Um, but we're born from a law firm, a sports law firm, through Morgan Sports Law. Um, they are super food up in the sports law space, but with a lot of big names, a lot of big athletes. And I joined them at the end of 2021. Um, they were looking to start something in the esports and gaming space, specifically around talent management um, and found me. Um, and for me, it was just a really exciting opportunity to start something from scratch that had, you know, the belief in the right places, really wanted to do something that was super professional, high quality, but also had that kind of expertise and accessibility to the services of a law firm um, and have qualified lawyers on board. Um, we what specifically within talent management. Um, so we act on behalf of players, creators, and broadcast talent as their agent. Um, and yeah, been kind of steadily growing over the past, past almost two years now. Um, got a great uh, roster of clients. Um, and yeah, just kind of um, doing everything we can to make sure they're right. Without putting you too much on the spot, like, could yeah. you detail who some of the clients are? Yeah, so we've got quite a diverse roster. Um, on the creator side, um, we actually started out specifically within Call of Duty. So we've got a great roster of Call of Duty talent, including people like Luki, Sophie Snaz, Tommy as well. Um, and we're also a lot in Dead by Daylight, JRM, Erin. Um, and then we've recently also started making into the League of Legends space. So one of the most familiar names is probably Kendrill, um, who was a professional player, moved into casting, and as of a couple of weeks ago, announced his retirement from casting to move into full-time content creation. Um, and then on the broadcast talent side, um, a lot of CSGO talent, um, which is great. We've got some fantastic names. Sam, Tech Girl Wright is one of our, was one of our first clients actually. Um, Jimmy Broadbent as well on the creative side. And then, yeah, a lot of League of Legends players as of, as of late, we announced you had a resource, Josh Tinger, who has been doing an amazing job. So I want to talk about the player ecosystem and kind of what it was like in the past and, and now kind of what it's developing in the future. So from what I, from what I saw from when I was like reporting on it like a few years ago, like it felt very much like a wild west in terms of esports players would just have 
you know, either one agent, which would maybe just be a solo agent, or sometimes not even an agent as itself. Like, why do you think that has developed so quickly? Where to the point now we're seeing, essentially, any top tier player now has an agent or an agency behind them. So, I think generally, um, any player that's at that top level should have an agent. Uh, I think, A, because you can have someone that is dealing with the stuff so that it's not on your play, whilst you're trying to focus on pressure play. And B, it's a complicated space to navigate. Um, engines should be experts in their area. They should be able to help negotiate. They should be able to do things like reviews, you know, contracts. Um, you know, if, if your agent is a qualified lawyer, that they're able to connect you with one. Um, and ensure that whatever you're signing into has had that kind of like experience at a third party view. And so that you can sign into something with the best possible knowledge of what it is that you're doing. Um, I think that step has been a great one for the space generally. Um, to go back to like jokes about new agencies popping up. Genuinely, I believe that having more agents and more agencies in space is a good thing. Like there's only so many players that we can represent capacity wise and there are a lot of players out there and making sure that each one is connected with the right agent or right agency and has that representation is super important and at a base level so that their rights can be protected. How important is it as well to maintain integrity when it comes to kind of being an esports agency because there is a lot of public perception I think sometimes of agents about you know I mean agents in general not even just esports in traditional sports and stuff like that about you know, it being about the money and not necessarily about the players, but how, is it, how important is it to kind of uh, maintain this integrity, especially for .x and to keep that reputation going? Yeah, so integrity for us is one of our key values. It's something that um, when, before .x even had a name, it was something that I wanted to make sure was a key focus. And part of the reason why like working with a law firm, being a subsidiary of a law firm is a great thing. You know, law firms have all sorts of um, strict kind of procedures and rules that they need to follow to make sure that they're compliant. Um, but generally when it comes to working with talent and specifically with players, um, as I said, it's a complicated space. It's really important that your agent is able to issue things in your best interests, regardless of the money. Like obviously there, the commercials are important. I think it'd be stupid to say otherwise, like, yes, there's a commercial conversations that he had. I think it's important that players get you know, paid what they're worth and that the values and that is something that is openly talked about. At the same time, um, you as an agent cannot be focused on, well, I want you to take this deal because it's the most amount of money on the table and I'll get, you know, whatever out of that myself. Like, I think the best type of agent is someone that can analyze all the deals, look at the player's personal interests and both. Okay, yeah, that one's worth a lot of money, but this one is better for your career. Or like, I can tell you don't like this for this particular reason. Or like, hey, this contract isn't that great and the money's fake, but you're signing into something that, you know, makes this way work right. Or it wasn't something you prepared to put on the table. Um, so really kind of like being able to look at those things. And even I worked less on the player side. I worked more with phrases. I've had instances with phrases where there's been an amazing offer financially on the table that I've spoken to about and I've, you know, said, Look, I actually see some issues with this. I'd probably advise you not to take it, even if it's like sort of, or weighing up two offers, for example, one means more than the other. I wouldn't always just go, oh, take all the whole money. Um, I think it's really important to be balanced out of that. 
What are some of the uh, issues then that you do spot, you know, and like are there, are there some continuous issues that you spot, especially when it comes to contracts? You know, like you said, it's not all about the, the figure at the end of it, but it's sometimes about like the small print. Is, is there some issues that you constantly run through, especially on the creator and the broadcast talent side? Because I do think that's a side that doesn't get talked about a lot in terms of actually having agents as well. Yeah, so, I mean, specifically to speak about um, to create a contract or let's take, for example, like brand deals, sponsorships, those types of pieces of blood. I think a, a relatively common issue is people throwing image rights in there without it being part of kind of what's been discussed. And I think if you're a creator, if you don't have an agent, um, make sure to read the fine print, like go through that contract, look for, you know, terms around exclusivity, look for terms around image right, um, non-competes, like anything like that, that you haven't um, gone and said, yes, this is included in part of what I'm voting for you. I mean, those are the things that tend to get slipped through onto the radar and then don't realize, um, within, you know, a fee and the contract you signed into that actually they can now use your image rights in perpetuity to market their product to their brand forever. And I think that's one of the things that is always a pretty immediate red flag and also something that is very easy for us to pick up on because I, I know I've seen this type of thing put in contracts so many times that I can know, skim through, wrote, yep, there's clubs, image rights in perpetuity or we will get access to your image to abuse worldwide to whatever we want. Um, I think that's a pretty common one. And then, yeah, exclusivity, I think, unless it's been something that's given greed or it's like a long-term partnership where you've gone, yeah, I won't pack with, I saw a dead brand, so I won't work with a competitor product. Um, it's something that, again, has a value attached to it, has a commercial value attached to it. Um, and those things kind of been included without it being discussed as where I think um, having an agent that can look out for those things and review it is really important. Are you finding that as the industry, not just the esports, but the creator industry as well, is starting to professionalize a little bit more, that we're starting, you start to see less and less of those type of deals go through because our kind of advertisers started to smart up to the fact that they can't get away with that stuff. You know? um, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, sometimes um, I, there are definitely companies out there that I know are amazing to work where they won't try and stick that stuff in and they're super special about it, but I think on the flip side, um, creators are getting more savvy about it. Um, but it's particularly, I think it depends on the campaign. It's a competitive space. Um, I think with some creators, particularly if you don't have an agent that can advise you or do that negotiating in your behalf, get worried that if they burn, I don't want to do that. Or like, if that's going to affect my theme, that they'll, you know, find the next person that will be willing to do it. Um, so I think that's a bit of a struggle because it's a saturated market. There are a lot of folks out there. Um, and if the campaign doesn't specifically require whatever it is that you as a creator can offer, and they're just going to like be mashing out the, the deals to whoever it is that will accept, then sometimes you end situations all over the world knowing, well, and you can take it or leave it or find someone else. In terms of .x as a whole then, yeah. uh, in terms of your expansion, you've already, like you said, had a lot of growth already in what has been a year, essentially. Um, what is like your growth plans and expansion plans? Is it to continually to create a, a more diverse roster of talent? Is it to expand into uh, other titles or other sectors? Or is it even to kind of develop new opportunities and solutions? So, um, I mean, I, I think generally my number one focus is 
yes, growing the talent side, obviously onboarding talent and how we grow within that is really important. But we also want to make sure that we have the right level of capacity and commitment to the clients that are on board. Um, we've been, you know, I, I when I went into starting.x, I was, I was a bit worried sometimes that I was being naive, you know, I, I was kind of like, I don't think talent management is being done that well, um, particularly in the UK, where it's like a bit smaller. I think there's, um, you know, there are some great agencies out there, some great agents, but I felt like there was a gap in the market to do something a bit different. Um, and there were certain ways that I wanted to operate and like things that I wanted to do for the town that we rex that um, I thought would make a meaningful difference. But obviously when you first start up, you're like, oh my God, have I just, am I just completely out of my mind on this? Have, have I just thought that it was like some groundbreaking thing that wouldn't do anything? But we've had really good reception um, and we are lucky enough to have people come to us and ask to be represented. Um, and we've had to be quite selective about that. Um, mainly because I don't want a level of service to our clients to drop in any way. I want to make sure that if we're onboarding people, it's talent that, you know, we've spent a lot of time looking into. We believe in their success in their growth and also that we can provide value to them as well. Um, so when it comes to strategy for kind of looking at end of 2023, moving into 2024, and then kind of in the years to come, first, I think it's finding the right talent to support for us that we're interested in, they're interested in us. Um, title-wise, I think we've had a bit of a focus on CS in the broadcast title space. I think we'd love to keep pursuing that. I think League of Legends is also, I mean, it's a personal interest of mine, but also a really important growth area for us on the player side um, and probably on the creator side as well. Um, and yeah, just kind of make sure that we're really... Uh, my, my background is in campaigns as well, so I did a lot on like marketing strategy and a lot of agencies will branch out into doing marketing campaigns as well as talent management. And I love that side of things. Uh, I find it really interesting and it can be really beneficial to talent as well. But I think that's maybe like a two, three, five year out thing in terms of growth for us that I'd love to start doing, but we want to make sure we focus on the talent hire. Amazing. Yeah, you, I think you went through all three there. It was perfect. Uh, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> As a, a final question, obviously yeah. I wanted to do a little bit of fun on the Play Esports today. That's the podcast yeah. mini series. Uh, do a little bit of a plug now. Brought to you by uh, Ross Video. They're an amazing manufacturer of live production equipment. They literally made this happen. All the equipment over there, which nobody can see here, but there's a lot of it. Um, I actually wanted to play on esports today. Uh, yeah. How would you define the esports industry as of today? Then. Oh God, that's a hard one. And I'm going to be terrible at this, and this is bad because I did English, she's my undergrad, so it feels like it should be concise. Um, he's close today. I would say at the crossroads between competition and entertainment, um, I think it, um, and are you doing it? Uh, in, I was talking about this with someone earlier and saying like it felt, even at this event, so nice to see so many new faces, have so many non-endemic brands kind of like interested and aware of what's going on. But also people, I think when I look back like five years ago when I was doing events like this, it was all like hard for esports. You know, I, I play CS, I play League of Legends, I watch every single esports tournament from my game that I like. Whereas it feels a little bit more accessible now. And I think part of that is the drive towards entertainment and why I think things like 
the creator market and the creator economy are super interesting because it is a tie into esports. A lot of the creators that we rep, um, you know, have either come from a competitive background or they are involved in competitive events. But a lot of people would class them as gaming, not esports. Um, so I think that will be where I see it today is it's at that junction. Uh, and I think it'll be interesting to see whether it continues to stay at that junction, whether those two things will marry up or whether they'll converge or whether esports will be drawn more closely back to competitive or it'll move more strongly towards entertainment. Uh, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and good luck with everything with .x as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you.